I want, Wednesday night I preached a message on longing for the Lord. And I walked away thinking about that this week, wondering um, how much the Lord is reaching out to us long before we reach out to him. Some of the songs today just kind of fit that, didn't it? I want an intense longing for the Lord. I want that. I'm not there yet, but I can tell you this, I'm closer. After watching War Room and having a, a week of prayer, um, I'm a lot closer to having the longing for the Lord that I want. I want to share some things with you from Wednesday night, but also some new things. Somewhere around February the 14th, Sunday, or the 17th, which is Wednesday, we're going to launch a 40-day emphasis, fasting emphasis. Now, I know when some of you hear the word fast, you immediately have a witness to your spirit that that's not for you. Because you, you, you already have started to get hungry just thinking about it. Well, that's not for me. That's not, I'm not called to do that. Not for one day, not for three days or seven days or a 21-day Daniel fast, but a 40-day a 40-day, well, that's definitely, I'm not called to that, but I can tell you this, this is a fast that everybody here and everybody in high voltage can do. It's a different fast. Um, it's going to be based on a book by Alicia Chloe, 40 Days of Decrease. And it's got some different dynamics of fasting that everybody can get in. So here's what I want you to do. Jot this down. Every day set aside 50 cents for the next 14 days. And if you include today, that's $7.50 if my math is correct. And that'll pay for your book, 40 Days of Decrease. Or you can just not go to McDonald's once or twice and you got it. How about that? So it doesn't seem like much when it's 50 cents a day and I'll get this book on 40 days. You can go to 40 Days of Decrease her... Uh, in fact, if any of you want to know what kind of person Alicia Chloe is, just talk to one of the Chi Alpha students that got to go to SALT this year, and they can tell you you will be blessed by anything you read or listen to that she gives. So um, I just want to give you that heads up so you can be praying about it and getting ready. We want everybody in on this. We really want to make this a community uh, event to where the whole body of believers here do this. If we do this, uh, I can guarantee you, you will be closer to the Lord and our entire church will be so much closer to him. Anybody here wants to be closer to the Lord? Well, I, I long for that. I want to get closer every day. I want to take you to Luke chapter 1. I'm not going to read from Luke chapter 1, but what I'm going to just do some references. I will read from Luke chapter 2, though. Luke chapter 1 is Luke's account of the life and ministry of Jesus. And he, of course, begins as a physician might with a lot of details about the pregnancies of both uh, John and the pregnancy of Jesus. How both of these boys were conceived and the, and the circumstances surrounding both of them. And in chapter 1, what you will see is an, an intense move of the Holy Spirit in the lives of people. In that story, Zechariah is uh, offering incense as one of the priests in the temple in the holy place at the altar of incense. 
when Gabriel appears to him and tells him that he and his wife Elizabeth are going to have a child in their old age, past childbearing age, but they're, they're, they receive this, this is just as supernatural as anything, that they're going to have a little boy. And in that direction that, that Gabriel was given, Zachariah, he says this, that child will be filled with the Holy Spirit still when he's still in the womb. And so Zechariah had this Holy Spirit moving in him and moving in Elizabeth. Later on in it, the Holy, the Holy Spirit through uh, his work over Mary is introduced as this is how she said, how am I going to conceive? I'm, I don't know a man. I'm, I'm a virgin. I'm not married. How can I conceive? He says, what's going to happen to you is, is the Holy Spirit is going to hover over you and you'll be supernaturally impregnated with the Son of God. You see the working of the Holy Spirit. And when Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, as soon as Elizabeth hears Mary's greeting, John, little John in her womb, jumps. And it says Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit. How about that? Somewhere John gets baptized in the Holy Spirit, but it, when she hears Mary, she's filled with the Spirit, and she begins to prophesy and bless Mary. When Mary hears that, she begins to praise God. And so you have this increased intensity of the Holy Spirit at work in chapter 1. And then you get to chapter 2, and there's two people that show up in this narrative about the birth of Jesus and how he's presented as, as Chad and Amber brought little Alex up here. Uh, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to present him to the temple for the blessing of the Lord upon him. And, and this was something they had to do to give the firstborn to the Lord. And so they're walking into the temple courtyard to do this. And Simeon, an elderly man, I'm not reading this. I will read verse 26 here in just a moment, or verse 36. But Simeon goes over, and, and it's all the Holy Spirit. In fact, he, the Holy Spirit prompted him to go to the temple that day. The Spirit of God spoke to him to go to the temple. It had to be the Spirit of God that pointed Joseph and Mary out and says, there is what I've told you you will see with your own eyes. The Spirit of God had already told him that he would see the consolation of Israel with his own eyes before he dies. And I take that as a way of him having to be reminded you're not going to die just yet. You will see the salvation of God. And he goes over and takes that little baby into his arms and he blesses him. And he blesses his parents and then he gives his prophecy over Mary. And then they move away from him and here comes Anna. And Anna's a different person than Simeon. Simeon just prompted by the Holy Spirit to go to the courtyard that day. Anna's been there. And she's been there every day for a long time. Look at what verse 36 says. Now, some of this is going to be re repetitive to those who are here on Wednesday night. But it's not the same message. And there was also a prophet, some translations prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was then a widow until she was 84. 
She never left the temple. How many of you believe that it was being real specific there? She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. This is a very elderly lady. 84 is not that old in our time frame, but 84 then was beyond the lifespan. And what is she doing? She's there fasting and praying because she knows something's up. She's been alerted. And at that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him, that little infant child, to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, here's a question. Why were these two elderly people at the temple that day? Because they were walking into the Holy Spirit's revelation. They had received conviction of the Spirit that day that the salvation of the Lord was appearing that day at the temple. Both of them sensed that. Both of them saw it. Both of them professed it, that they had seen the salvation of God in that child. Oh, that we would have a people today that would sense the hour that we live in and would give ourselves to the convictions of the Holy Spirit today. I ask the staff Tuesday morning, the staff meeting, a question. And this was the question. Does your view of God, does our view of God match what the Bible and the Scriptures show? Are our view of God conditioned by our thoughts and our experiences and our ideas and our evaluations? And I think we would dangerously say that it's probably not the same view of God that we get from Scripture. We should be constantly being in the evolution. See, I believe the Holy Spirit, when you're saved, do you, do you believe the Holy Spirit is in you when you're saved? Of course he is. You have the Holy Spirit. But here's the question. Do you, does he have you? Does he have our heart? Does he have our minds? I'm going to take you to Corinthians chapter 2 here. Please follow along with me. It's a different message on Wednesday night. But there's some things here. Paul writes a lot to believers in Corinth and he writes so much about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works and how he wants to work in them. And the first two chapters is rich because it talks about us understanding the things of God outside of our natural man, outside of our logic, our ideas. Because in the natural that image is a fallen image, right? We can't, we can't use logic and reason and come to an accurate perception and revelation of God. And he makes this so clear in chapter 2, verse 9, when he quotes something from Isaiah 64, 4, that as is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered, into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And we, we're very familiar with that, right? But God has revealed him to us through his spirit. The spirit searches all things, yes, the deep 
things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God. This is a good thing to underline here. No one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Now consider this. No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor have entered into the heart of man. Stop right there. How comprehensive is that statement? It's fairly comprehensive, wouldn't you say? That no eye, no ear, nor has it into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Later on, Paul would write that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them. But God has revealed them to us in only one way. He has revealed to them, to those, to us, through His Spirit. And He says, The Spirit searches the things of God, the deep things of God. So no eye can see without the Holy Spirit's revealing, no ear can hear without the Holy Spirit speaking. And nothing can enter into the heart, our heart, without the Holy Spirit revealing it. And you realize if you're born again, you got introduced to the Holy Spirit before you got introduced to Jesus. You realize that, don't you? Think about it. You got introduced to the Holy Spirit. You might not have known that it was the Holy Spirit, but you got introduced to Him before he introduced you to Jesus and introduced Jesus to you. Because it's through the conviction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works. No one comes to the Father except the Holy Spirit is prompting it. The Holy Spirit is working in this room. He's working in our lives and he's working in the witnesses that we give and the people we're praying for. This is why it's so important to pray. Because it's affecting where people are at. It's affecting how the Holy Spirit is working in their life. And when we came under conviction, when we came under this awareness that we needed salvation, we had already been introduced to the Holy Spirit. Because he was the one telling you that. And then he introduces Jesus to us. When John the Baptist was preaching, it was the Holy Spirit's anointing upon him. And when Jesus came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit came up on him. And from that forward on, he was anointed by God. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit. His preaching was anointed. His ministry was anointed. And if we have any longing for Jesus at all, it's because the Holy Spirit is prompting it. I was going to preach on reaching. And I titled it, the reach of the Holy Spirit. But I was going to preach this morning on the first of our mission statement, reach. Next Sunday was train and next Sunday's sin. But that all kind of got changed. Because I really feel like we need to experience the reach of the Holy Spirit. We will not reach out until we reach up. 
we will not have the motivation to reach out until we reach up. Until the Holy Spirit reaches us, we have not the kind of passion that we need to reach others. And that's the way it's going to work. Simeon and Anna was at the temple that day because they were prompted by the Holy Spirit. And they got their names in the narrative. <laughs> we know nothing about them. I don't think they're related. They're not family. They're not friends. They're not neighbors. They were just a, an old man and an old lady. But they were being prompted by the Holy Spirit to have a part in the narrative. We never graduate from ministry until we graduate to heaven. And we need that kind of longing that makes us not let age put any damper on our passion for him. I got to see Bill and Evan Smith yesterday. And you keep praying for him. Keep praying for her. But we had a great prayer time. And at the end of it, we sang, What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And I tell you what, she's got a longing for Jesus. And at the end of it, I said something about, Oh, wouldn't it be great if it is today? And she said, Well, I'm not in a hurry. I said, I'm talking about a trumpet sounding. She said, oh, yeah, I, I can go with that. She wants to stay. One of the times, last times I saw her in the hospital, when she just had this remarkable bounce back for the umpteenth time, she looked at me with tears rolling down her cheeks. She says, Pastor, I am so tired. And I knew what she was saying. And I said to her this, I says, Sister Evelyn, you're running your race well. Because even though you can't hardly get out of bed, your heart is still passionate for God. And you can pray for your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and you can still have an impact on how God works in their life. And here's Anna and Simeon letting us know that it can be done. Why should we be like Anna? Making Prayer and fasting a priority. Why should, we, why should we make what she was doing a priority? Because she had a longing to see the redemption of the Lord. Think of this. And I wish I could, I wish I was, everything I shared was original. It would be a very short sermon. <laughs> if, that, if that was the case. But I'll give you, some of you that like a little nugget for something to read the most impactful book that I have ever read on fasting was by John Piper a Calvinist Baptist in the north of all places I love John Piper and I hope he's right on once saved always saved I do but there's a lot more to that man that I could, I could never explore what he knows. And he's an expert on Jonathan Edwards. I think he wrote his thesis on Jonathan Edwards. But in, in talking about Anna and some of the things that, I, that I've shared Wednesday night about Anna came from that book, Hunger for God. That's, that's the book that he, a hunger for God. It's not doing without food, but it's a hunger for God. It's having a Hunger for God. 
And you think about Anna being 84, and all she saw was an infant that stirred her soul. She never got to see Jesus preach. She never saw him do any miracles. She did not witness the crucifixion, the horror of that scene. She didn't know what the sound was like when it echoed through the streets of Jerusalem. The tomb is empty. The report is that he's alive. She wasn't with the disciples the times they saw him and the times he spoke to them. She wasn't there when he ascended into heaven. She didn't get to see any of that, and yet she was passionate for God. If she can be that passionate with an infant standing, sitting in the arms of his mother, how much should we be passionate for the things of God? Fasting will definitely demonstrate what controls you. I love Tim and Beverly LaHaye. And we're Pentecostals. We believe in speaking in tongues. At least we believe it. It'd help you if you practiced it. Amen. Just a little push there. But they, they come along and say the infant of the Holy Spirit is a reference to the spirit control life. And I said, yeah. That's why it's so difficult for some people to receive speaking in tongues. Because it's about control. It's always been about control. Thank God when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit at youth camp at the age of 12, it was such a torrential rain pour of the Spirit of God, I didn't have time to think about it. But you just listen to what I just said. When you start thinking with your mind about something, something starts slowing down. And the Spirit of God's influence is starting to be hindered because the natural men cannot understand the things of God. And when you get to the point that you're stopped analyzing it and trying to figure it out and simply accept it, you'll be catapulted into life in the Spirit. Because it's no longer you trying to figure it out. You've decided you're going to accept what God has prepared for you by the Holy Spirit. No, your eye won't see it. Your ear won't hear it. It won't enter into your heart until you allow the Holy Spirit to reveal it. Jesus was asked about fasting. And I'm not going to preach all of that on that I preached Wednesday night. Matthew 9, 14. Why aren't you and your disciples fasting? Why aren't your disciples fasting like we're fasting? And he said, well, I'm with them. That's why they're not fasting. But one day I'm going to be taken away from them and then they'll fast. And that was really a, a statement of longing. They will long for me. Can I tell you, friends, the bridegroom has still been taken away from us. He's still not here. He's at the right hand of the Father. So, well, Pastor, how can we experience him? You experience him through the Holy Spirit. He is positionally at the right hand of the Father being a high priest for us. And he told them in John 14, he said, I am going to leave you. And they were having problems with that. Well, where are you going? We want to go. 
kind of like little Willie Smith that I pastored. He, he got married so late in life, he found a lady that finally would marry him. Now, they're in Jacksonville, Florida, and they're both with the Lord. But he told me one day, he says, you know what? I waited so long for Frances. If she ever decides to leave me, I'm packing my bags and going with her. <laughs> Divorce was not going to happen. But it's kind of like the disciples. You're leaving? Okay, where are you going? We want to know where you're going. We want to go. And he, some of the most beautiful language is in John 14. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go, I leave you to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come back. But they didn't really listen to the coming back. They just said, you're going. And then he tells them, and you ought to jot this down, because I'm finishing up with this. And Brandon, if you can come back to the platform and praise to him. In verse 16 of that chapter, where he's been telling them, I'm leaving, he says, I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, another helper, a paracletus, someone who come alongside and help. He says, I'm going to bring you, he's going to give you another helper that he may be with you forever. It's all about who's with them. He said, I'm leaving you, but I'm not leaving you without someone to be with you. I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to send another helper. That's the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. This is, this is in the backdrop of Corinthians 2.9, that you can't see him, you cannot know him in yourself. The Holy Spirit has to reveal that to you. And he's saying to them, says, but you will know him, and he abides with you, but he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans or without help. I will come to you, but he said, I will come to you through the Holy Spirit. Do you see that word, another helper? In John 14, 16, you see that word, another? If people don't think that the original language is important, there's no passage in Scripture that probably surpasses this than to know what he's saying. Because there's two words in that language, in Greek language, for another. Heteros was one of them. And it's ayos that's here. Heteros and ayos. Heteros was another of a different kind. Ayos was another, 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 another of the same kind. And what Jesus was saying to them, just like you said, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me because I am like the Father. The Father and I are alike. And he says the Holy Spirit, when he shows up, he and, he and I are alike. He will be just like me. You won't be without help. He will be your helper. Somehow we've diminished the Holy Spirit to some kind of force or inanimate move. He is the person of God on the planet right now, and nothing happens on this planet without the Holy Spirit doing it. The Father and the Son has sent him to be the representative of the Son. And what I'm saying to you is, he wants us to have a part like Simeon and Anna had in this great story. He's reaching out to us. Would you stand with me?